Welcome to MMO, the Mike Mike and Oscar show. They cover films then, win the gold, but now we're talking picks up films for all of these shows. From Toy Story 1 up through Toy Story 4, this is the MMO, the Pixar Rewatch Show. And we're back one last time. We are completing the review portion of our Pixar series rewatch today. And we will have one more episode probably in the future. But this is going to kind of double as not only a Pixar rewatch entry, but also a 2019 Oscar Sprint profile from us here at MMO. So welcome to Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I'm your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. And we're doing Toy Story 4, Michael. Trash. I'm trash. <laughs> Mike, uh, I'm so relieved that we got a great mo- yeah. movie at the end of this rewatch. It, it really is a culmination of a ton of great movie watching for you and yeah. I. So we're grateful that we got the chance to not only watch but study. I think we've really broken these films down. and We, we studied them. We did deep dives. And now we get a chance to uh, have at Toy Story 4 and what a movie, and what a movie-watching experience. I had a blast last night. Yeah, and I said to you in the pre-production, we'll go over the financials and what this thing's going to do, but I just felt like this movie just wasn't hyped as as much as I thought Toy Story 4 would be hyped and promoted and stuffed down our throats. I thought we'd be sick of seeing previews for it by now, but it hasn't been the case, but it certainly hasn't impacted the financials or the expected box office, I guess. So we'll get into all that and more. First, we'll explain what this episode is. So it's going to act, like we said, as an Oscar sprint profile and part of our Pixar rewatch series. So if you've not joined us for either one of those, they have the same overall format, but a couple few differentiations in the middle of them. What these episodes, how they're structured is they're two parts. There's a non-spoiler review followed by a spoiler warning, and then the spoiler section. So if you've not seen Toy Story 4 yet, don't worry, you're in a safe space here. The first half of this episode is going to be all non-spoiler stuff. We talk about the box office, the production values, the performances, all that fun stuff. The way we differentiate and have been doing the non-spoiler section for the Pixar Rewatch series is that we dive into the history of Pixar. We take the snapshot in time, what the company of Pixar looked like when all of these movies debuted and came out, and this will be no different. We're talking about the current state of Pixar here today as a means of wrap up then like i said there's a spoiler warning we'll have the spoiler section on the second half of all of these episodes uh that's where we'll do the twists and turns we'll talk about what we like didn't like about the movie we'll talk about the happiness the heartbreak all that fun stuff and we also are going to cap off with our final last two of the 22 rules of screenwriting success that pixar had debuted some years ago we've been doing this for every single pixar movie we've mm-hmm. matched up rules to each movie we've had a spoiler and a non-spoiler section for every single movie going back that's a whole playlist that we have for you on soundcloud.com uh, backslash Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you go there, you'll see Mike and I dressed up as Woody and Buzz in one of our logos. That'll indicate that that's the Pixar Rewatch series playlist. You can go there, check out this format for every single Pixar movie. All our thoughts are there, all our reviews, all that fun stuff. The highs, the lows, the happiness, the heartbreaks, what we like, what we didn't like, where this company has gone, where it's come from, the 22 rules. That's all going to be there for you to digest at your leisure. And maybe it's you can use it as a nice lead up to Toy Story 4. You can listen to it as as a falling out from Toy Story 4 to see where the company came from to get to this point. All that fun stuff. But where we are now, we're going to talk about the the Oscar Sprint profile S, Ness, of Toy Story 4, I guess. It's the same thing with an Oscar lens. Yeah, we're just going to throw it in an Oscar lens and, and just kind of try to measure up where this film fits come yeah. award season time. But a the way we, talk s- about. we start all of these episodes is Mike is going to run down the cast and crew. So Toy Story 4 is directed by Josh Cooley. He was a storyboard artist on a bunch of Pixar mm-hmm. films. He turns screenwriter. He gets promoted for Inside Out. And they figured he was a rising star. And they figured right as he's turned director for this movie. I thought he did a terrific job. We'll have more on him. Yeah. A lot of story credits go out to a lot of people. Mike will have more info on that. The screenplay credits go to Andrew Stanton of the Finding Nemo Dory series. And Stephanie Folsom, whose only other writing credit, Mike, is on two episodes of Star Wars Resistance, making this, as far as I know, the second Toy Story in a row to use a Star Wars writer, so I thought that was interesting. Nice, yeah. Well, it's a big enough universe now. As for the cast, we have Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Joan Cusack, Bonnie Hunt, Kristen Shaw, Wallace Shawn, John Ratzenberger, the mustache from Cheers, Blake Clark, Laurie Metcalf, <laughs> Jeff Garland, Estelle Harris, and Timothy Dalton. <gasps> They all 
reprise their roles as Woody, Buzz, Jesse, Dolly, Trixie, Rex, Ham, Slinky Dog, Andy's Mom, Buttercup, Mrs. Potato Head, and Mr. Pricklepants. Of good, course, Mr. Pricklepants. Good job. How long do you think Dalton was in the recording studio for? Like a day? Half a day? Uh, ten minutes. <laughs> ten minutes. They high-fived him. They yeah. gave him lunch. Perfect. <laughs> Said it every day. One take, Dalton, I'm sure. <laughs> Ghostbusters Annie Potts returns as Bo Peep from the first two movies. And yes, there's archival sound footage of Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head. We were curious as to how they were going to handle that with the legendary Don Rickles having passed on, but they handled it perfectly. I, I love it. We'll have some more on that in the future. But we get so many new characters, and insanely enough, they're all voiced by stars. Yeah. Veep, and, Arre- yeah, Veep and Arrested Developments. Tony Hale is Forky. Toy Story <laughs> Forky, as uh, Jimmy Kim said perfect casting yes we have key and peel playing the hilarious ducky and bunny oh my god they were awesome mad men's christina hendrix is gabby gabby keanu reeves is duke kaboom mike nebraska's june squib apollo creed himself carl weathers barry and snl's bill Hader. Escape from Dana Mora and Boyhood's Patricia Arquette. The Red Hot Chili Peppers bassist, I think, Flea, also from Lebowski. And SNL's <laughs> Melissa Villasenor, all voice bit parts, along with, get this, Mel Freaking Brooks, Carol Freaking Burnett, wow. Betty Freaking White, and Carl Freaking Reiner. Wow. Guess what their names are in this movie? What are they? Melephant Brooks, <laughs> Cheryl Burnett, she's a chair. Bitey White and Carl Reineroceros. Wow. Perfect. <laughs> Great job, Pixar. You're welcome, everybody, said Pixar. That's awesome. Mike, you have the history of the Pixar company on this. Yes, I do. This is kind of a wrapping up as far as the history of Pixar to bring you to present day, talk you about what's going on now, what's coming next, kind of an overall view. But just to get into it, Pixar has survived scandal and dissension both from within and the company and the outside world and through all of it the company stands as a pillar of excellence and ingenuity in animation and technology no but they're making sequels mike sequels are bad (laughs) sequels are not as good as originals well their films to date have grossed over 11 billion dollars total completely redefining what an animated film was thought capable of achieving either in story or accolades the company is by no means perfect but it does genuinely seem to be willing to learn from its mistakes and course corrected shortcomings which not nearly enough multi-billion dollar corporations take the initiative in doing so anymore. Its sequels are good. <laughs> yes, They're good sequels they are for good the most sequels. part, except for Cars 2. But we're also currently in a time full of questions with regards to Pixar. We talked about how founder and longtime head animator John Lasseter removed himself from the company in 2017. And even more recently, Ed Catmull and Lee Unkrich, two men who have become equally, if not more responsible Founding for fathers. the growth and success of Pixar, also would depart the company in the not-too-distant past as well, which means that of Pixar's big four, of Lasseter, Unkrich, Andrew Stanton, and Pete Docter, the four men who have in one way or another been involved in every single Pixar movie up to and through Toy Story 4, only the latter two remain, with Docter currently serving as chief creative officer. They could still make a Mount Rushmore, I guess, at some point on the Pixar grounds. Right? It, might, it might be a while till Lasseter's face gets revealed, but we'll see how time treats it. Uh, however, this is far from a eulogy for the company. Pixar seems stronger than ever as Toy Story 4 is about to rake in all sorts of dollars at the box office. Mm -hmm. The company has just unveiled two new properties that will be hitting theaters in the coming years with Onward, the Fantasyland troll epic whose first trailer we reviewed on a recent episode of MMO Weekly. That's due out in March of 2020. And the recently announced Soul, which is under the direction of Doctor himself and it's slated for a June 2020 release as well. It's about death. I can't believe they're making another movie about death. Pete Doctor's just muscle flexing at this point. This is my company now. I can do what I want. Pardoning the parent company Disney Pun, it seems to be a whole new world for Pixar from here on out. But in that sense, maybe there's no more proper film to transition from the old guard to the new than Toy Story 4, as this film began as a treatment composed by Lasseter and Stanton and received effort and input along the way from who else but Lee Unkrich and Pete Docter. Pixar's Four Horsemen riding one last time on the fourth film in the franchise that started their journey together, poetic in a story maybe even too fabled for the movies. Because it was all hands on deck back with Toy Story 1 Mm -hmm. when they're building the company from scratch. And all those guys are working in some way, shape, or form on Toy Story 1. And then Toy Story 2 comes out, and we get that crazy fix, Mm -hmm. right? They have to fix this from just becoming that animated sequel, direct-to-video thing. Had to do it in nine months, essentially. Nine 
months. Again, all hands on deck. These guys are in charge of major departments in the filmmaking of it, Uncritch especially, and, and that was a, a crazy thing. And then Uncritch is, is the, they give him Toy Story 3, which was a big deal at the time. And now you got the four of them at least you know, putting their input down in the uh, at the story this, level yeah. for this, so, which is which is fitting. Poetic. Very very fitting, you're right. And it's it's kind of a nice bow to put on Pixar at large. It's amazing to look at this company in totality throughout these 21 films that we've reviewed and just look at how this company, in a lot of ways, doesn't have any business surviving. They've overcome the odds a couple times and just the means of of making it to where they are today. And it's really a testament to their determination and their talent and the people that they've associated themselves with for the most part. Mm -hmm. They were surviving just on the largesse and generosity of Steve Jobs at one point. They needed that first Disney contract. That first Disney contract turned into a second more nefarious Disney contract, which led to the falling out between the two companies. And Steve Jobs with a total power play that actually kind of I think totally worked in Pixar's favor. Yep. They end up getting bought by Disney, and now they've just been raking in money ever since. And now we're in this new uh, advent, this new era, where we're going to have not the four horsemen at the charge of this company, but two of the four still remaining. And hopefully they've learned from their mistakes. We're going to get into the specs of this one, and there's plenty of women to be seen in the writing Thankfully. room for this one. So that's a step, certainly, after way too long, but it's a positive step in the right direction. No question about it. Uh, they're developing female talent, finally, yeah. at least in the writer's room. And, and that is a tried and true track for them to get people in the director's chair. Right. They've, they've shown this much. Just two quick production nuggets. This film is dedicated to comedian and voice actor Don Rickles. Of course. And animator Adam Burke, uh, wow. the two who passed away in 2017 and 2018, respectively. We're also going to have a 10-episode short series, Forky Ask Questions. That will debut, Mike, on Disney Plus this November 12th. The big news from that is that Disney Plus is coming out November yeah, 12th. Yeah, apparently. Holy cow, i got to get my $7 a month ready. Uh, definitely going to watch that. There's also a short, and there was no short attached to this movie, the first no. uh, Toy Story film where that was not the case. No. There's going to be a short uh, that will be put on Disney Plus about Bo Peep's life between Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 4. So I'm really excited about yeah, that oh. because I... Loved her character. That'll in this. definitely be interesting. I loved her character as well. And again, it answered a lot of questions and complaints that we had about her previously. Definitely. Uh, back to you for specs. So, Toy Story 4, Mike told you some of this already. Written John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, Josh Cooley, Valerie LaPointe, Rashida Jones, Will McCormick, Martin Hayes, and Stephanie Folsom all get original story by credits, while Stanton and Three Folsom women. each get screenplay by credits. So, this is the first Pixar film where at least two women get writing credits, right? Yeah. Am, I, am I wrong about yes, that? Correct. And now we have three. Great job, Pixar. Way too long. Took you 25 freaking years, but it's about time, uh, and we should praise you for that. Uh, Look at how well-written the female characters yeah, are. Uh, there's no, I don't understand. How much more evidence do we need of this that you get well-rounded, great female characters when females are in the right Gabby, room. Gabby, and yep. Bo Peep, uh, and Giggles McGiggleworth, or whatever she's called. <laughs> the guy I got it written down. She was phenomenal, too. Josh Cooley is the director who previously had directed nothing, but shorts, mm -hmm. go get them, kid. Uh, though he was a storyboard artist, like Mike told you, for Pixar's movies of the past. This film debuted June 11th, 2019 of this year, at the El Capitan Theater in L.A. and went wide today when we're recording this, and hopefully you're listening to it, on June 21st. It's a 100-minute runtime on a ridiculous G rating. <laughs> this is not a G movie. That's ludicrous. <laughs> Jonas Rivera and Mark Nielsen are the listed producers. Randy Newman, once again, is doing the music, as he did for the first three films. Patrick Lynn and Jean-Claude Kalash are both back to do the cinematography. Axel Geddes does the editing, while Walt Disney Studios and Pixar Animation get credit as production companies. And, of course, Walt Disney Animation Studios does the distribution. That was not always the case. It used to be Buena Vista. They had a whole change there. Seriously, we've done a lot of these Pixar movies. We've covered a ton of history. It will behoove you to go back. If you're a fan of movie history, History at all, I really do recommend you just listen to a couple of these episodes. It'll fill you in and give you the backstory on a ton of stuff. Yeah, Mike and I have done our homework. We've learned a lot. Yeah. And of course, we've learned a lot about the new landscape of big corporate movie making as well. Because Disney has not only done this with Pixar, but they've teamed up with Lucasfilm mm -hmm. and Marvel and now Fox. It's the way of the future that they've established uh, in this 21 film 
buildup absolutely uh, with the Pixar film. Wikipedia has a listed budget of one seventy five to two hundred million for this movie, but some articles I read believe that number to be closer to the two hundred side than the one seventy five side, which would tie it for the highest production budget ever for a Pixar film alongside another five Pixar titles. This film did twelve million dollars last night in Thursday preview showings. That's good for the second highest box office ever for a Thursday preview screening for an animated film behind last year's Incredibles two, which has the number one place there. Yeah, at the last few weekends of box office, we've had five, six, you know, seven million dollars right. tops, and they've made 40, 50, 60 million dollars. So, this 12 million dollar preview screening uh, night should should signify a lot more to come. Yeah, it, it is signifying a hefty opening. The latest projections have this opening for Toy Story 4 to be between 150 to 200 million, and we earlier in yeah. MMO Weekly, we thought this was tracking for 150 as the high end, and now yeah, it seems to be even higher. Yeah. And 110 was the last Toy Story mm-hmm. film, so that made 1.2 billion? 1.066 billion was Toy Story 3. Yeah. So this one is going to be fighting uh, for some high accolades. That same Incredibles 2 movie has the record for highest opening weekend for an animated film at 182.7 million, which it eventually rode out into a 1.242 billion dollar worldwide box office. So clearly, if Toy Story can open at or above what Incredibles 2 did, it will have its sights set on becoming the highest worldwide grossing animated film of all time, the title of which currently belongs to not Incredibles 2, but actually Frozen, whose worldwide box office barely beat out Incredibles 2 by landing it at 1.276 billion. So they went with on the marketing at least the if you build it they will come principle <laughs> that does not work for podcasting no. but it does work for Toy Story 4 after the first 3 win Oscars. Yeah, and in other words this movie is going to make money, mm-hmm. something that Pixar is no stranger to seeing happening. It currently carries an 8.8 on IMDb on 4700 plus reviews. It also carries a certified fresh rotten tomato score of 98% on its first 219 critic scores with again Who are those 2%? Again, five critics right now saying it's rotten. What the hell is going on with those five people who hurt you? You're safe now. It's okay. Drop your guard. What is wrong with them? <laughs> Let love in, damn it. <laughs> wow. It also has Who's an early... coming out negative on this movie? <laughs> earlier 96% audience score on 1,400 reviews and carries an 84 meta rating with Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian being the lowest score on the totem pole, giving a movie a 60 overall. So I guess three stars out of five. That's fine. I mean, look, yeah. if you like this movie, not love it, I'm not going to get mad at you. But bottom line is, how do you dislike the I movie? I don't get it. I don't. That makes just, no to sense. To call to this me. rotten is just to call this rotten offensive. It is offensive, and it's wrong. It's dead wrong. Yeah, like they should be ta- kicked off of IMD, IMDb, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, everywhere. <laughs> Terrible job. Do your job. Yeah. Oh my God. Plot premise reads, when a new toy called Forky joins Woody and the gang, a road trip alongside old and new friends reveals how big the world can be for a toy. A little vaguer than we've seen. Also not exactly on message, how big the world can be for a toy. I don't know that this is necessarily about that. I like it a little bit, but you know, it's kind of alluding to what's going to happen in the movie. yeah. In terms of expectations here, Mike, I don't know if it was possible to have higher expectations. You know, after this rewatch, we talked about how much the rewatches, how much the studying of it all yeah. hypes us up. And this was perhaps as high I was going into a movie in a long, long time. And this movie exceeded my expectations yet again. And really from the first shots of the production values that we'll get into in a minute. How about you? What were you thinking? I'm glad you were that high on it, though, because the lack of marketing I saw made me incredibly nervous. I was thinking if this was going to be a $200 million opening and this was going to be one of the greatest animated films ever, box office-wise, and blah, 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 I would have thought, like, we were sick of seeing the Avengers promoted, you know? We were tired of seeing all these big-budget movies promoted by the time they came out. And Toy Story 4, I just didn't see anything i didn't see it on youtube i didn't see it on tv i didn't see it even the imdb page is usually flooding you when you first get on there what was interesting is that like IndieWire, slash film hollywood reporter a lot of the trades that we, you know we love and we read every day mm-hmm. they were doing features on this movie and youtube had a bunch of stuff going into the production okay. that we've been watching all along going into the release so i think they got a you know they took a more creative route maybe they weren't sure if it was going to make a ton of money, maybe Disney was a little bit rattled after Dumbo, after yeah. all these sequels. Uh, and, and the early reviews weren't glowing. They weren't overly 
this is on par with Toy Story 3 type reviews. I saw some people that were quite down on this movie. I saw some people that made me think this was going to be more like Toy Story 2 right. than Toy Say, Story I would agree. 1 or 3 and be the mind blower that yeah. those movies were. But to me, this movie stacks right up with I, those other films yeah, and with the best of Pixar. So I think they undersold it in a way. Which I agree. I don't know if that's a bad thing that you I don't didn't either. need to market the movie like crazy for it to make this now, kind of money. Now, if you're going to be cynical and devious, like I always am thinking when it comes <laughs> to Disney, you're going to say, this only adds more fuel to Disney's fire in dealing with Fox properties. Well, we didn't we didn't market Dark Phoenix, but we didn't really market Toy Story 4 all that much either. And look how well that did on its own. True. So why put our money behind any Fox properties? Let's just see how they do. That's that's interesting. Yeah. That, that is a hot take. Oh, wow. Not fooling me, Mouse. <laughs> the Mouse <laughs> didn't have to market this one because this is the property yeah. that has made billionaires. Right. It made Steve Jobs into a billionaire the very first time that he put that extra zero uh, <laughs> probably tattooed on his arm or yeah. whatever. But, uh, my God, uh, I am thrilled that this movie came through for us and i want to talk about an oscar lens it's a two-part oscar lens we'll do it at the end of this sure. non-spoiler section as well but let's go right to best animated feature this I mean, wins this probably wins what's gonna what's its co competition frozen, frozen two. 2 right that's yeah. it's we don't know what the lion king is going to be classified as i guess that's what you can argue? Has a chance. Yeah, I mean, Frozen 2, How to Train Your Dragon 3, no. no. Secret Life of Pets 2, probably no. no. I still want to see it. No. Missing Link, I still want to see it, no. Ugly Dolls, yeah, probably Ugly Dolls. <laughs> no. Uh, the Addams Family, Abominable, Wonder Park, The Lego Movie yeah, 2, nothing, Trolls nothing. World Tour, which trailer Look, gave me a seizure last Looks terrible. <laughs> and like you said, Lion King, if it does get that classification, 2... Anime films that I noticed, Weathering with You and Cold, uh, Code Geass, Jass, I, I don't know I'll how to pronounce it. take your word for it. Anyway, so you, you always have an anime an anime film or sure. three that are going to contend there because you got great studios overseas making them. Yeah. So I, I think this is Toy Story 4's category to lose at this point. We'll see what Frozen 2 does. It's coming out in a hot spot. It's going to be a hell of a head-to-head -head because Pixar... You know, they win Oscars. They win this category. This is their category to win. Disney wins it overall, obviously. But, but now that you have the most yeah. valued Disney property right now in Frozen going against the originator of the Pixar property the in Toy Story. The most transformative yeah. Disney property, Disney Animation Studios property in a long damn yeah. time because Frozen 1 mm -hmm. really set the new direction with the Pixar people there yep. pulling strings, set the new direction for that studio. So, yeah, I would agree. This is becoming quite the race, I, I would think. And based on those trailers and how gorgeous they are for Frozen 2 and how good this movie is, mm -hmm. if we get another A movie with Frozen 2, look out. That's yeah. going to be a hell of a race. But agree. let's finish up the Oscar lens a bit later. Let's talk through the production values here, Mike. I want to rip off a bunch of animation innovations. And this should take you back, folks. There's a great article at businessinsider.com, uh, another great article at cnet.com about all these innovations. And tell me if you've heard these before. You had cat fur that was made possible by advancements in hair from Monsters Inc. It looks so good. You had water and rain advancements made by Finding Nemo, Dory, and the Good Dinosaur. I turned to you at that the opening scene and I said, "Well, I guess Pixar figured out its water problem, huh?" Yeah, this looks spectacular. It looked just unreal. I I, I thought it was real. Yeah. Like I thought it was like a, a, another preview for the movie. Like I was just I knew I just saw the Pixar animated or the Disney Studios animated intro. Right, and yet. I'm like, wait, what movie am I in? I was half wondering if they had done something with technology where they just videotaped actual rain on outside and somehow superimposed just the toys into the action. It just looked that real. It looked stunning. It looked like Ratatouille in a way, where yeah. the sets looked real and then you had the cartoon mouse running around. But here they shadowed all the characters, so the characters really blended in and the characters look real. Dude, the way... You can tell I'm serious when I start with Dew. The Dude. way the light <laughs> hit off every character. Pixar's lighting has been just spectacular the last 10 movies or so. They've been working on the way the lighting and the shadows hit off every character. And in this one, you could tell that Bo Peep was like porcelain the entire movie and that Woody was cloth the entire movie. To light those characters, the producer referenced in the Insider article that they really wanted 1930s to 1960s old backlit Hollywood lighting techniques. 
and my God, does it feel like it. Yeah. I loved it so much. It was amazing. Uh, you had shiny metallic surfaces, which was not an innovation we talked about enough in the Cars no. series, but that that is true. We had other stuff from, to talk about. From Cars to Incredibles too, they did a lot with metallic yeah. surfaces. Again, it made the porcelain of Bo Peep possible here. Populating huge numbers of characters and uh, for the settings, you know, that's been true for A Bug's Life with all the ants, mm-hmm. to Finding Dory with all the fish, all the way to the lights in Coco's setting yeah. and they Good really point. had so much going on at once in every shot of that antique store carnival Leeds, settings the carnival yep. with all the people my god it looked great you have the realistic detail for human characters so this was something I wanted to point out in the production value section this is the most exposure humans have gotten in any Pixar film yet Right, and, and they didn't go full caricature with these humans either which they've done in the past ever since Toy Story 2 though for this franchise, they've kind of gone a little more realistic. Yeah. Toy Story 3 was more realistic. And then you have Brave, obviously, being that character meld, even though the hair looks like real hair. And Finding Dory with the kids' braces. You got all the close-ups of the dentistry in that movie. So they, they really got into the detail, and they kind of walked the tightrope of the caricature slash realism that they've been doing for all these films. Like, Incredibles, that's full caricature. And here you've right. got a nice mix. Right. Like, Bonnie's parents look like real people. Well, that's that's what I was saying in terms of exposure to humans. I understand that Brave was focused on humans. The Incredibles are focused on, I guess, humans. But this one, you had so many ancillary humans that don't play a role in any particular area. You have a kindergarten class full of adolescent children or small children that you mm-hmm. have to don't play I hope not adolescent well yeah that wouldn't be that's my own personal experience uh, you have the carnival running with kids and adults everywhere and they just every single one of them actually looked like actual dimensions of a human being yes. the only complaint I had about any human in this movie was when the opening scene when the man that came to pick up one of the characters in the opening scene yeah. runs back into Andy's house he looked a little ridiculous, but that honestly was the only issue I had with how these he humans didn't looked. have Woody's running form. I, I, <laughs> I knew you were going to turn this into a track thing. I would agree with you there, <laughs> but uh, no. Overall, I mean, the cinematography is spectacular. All the camera wow, angles, looks so good. I remember just really enjoying those. I can't remember any big scenes right now, but uh, I remember throughout yeah. the watch, I was like, "Wow, look at that!" I guess if you're going to do an animated film, you got to get crazy spikely angles, right? How about just the opening scene where we see Andy growing up through life? He's playing with Woody and swinging him around, and the oh. camera follows Woody, fades to Woody's back, so we see Andy. The camera pans oh, back I'm so out. Happy. Uh, Andy has grown into a teenager at this point. The, the camera's doing all sorts of things that. Sh- Again, I'm not smart enough to understand how they're doing this in an animated film. And it angers me. The carnival rides. I mean, there's a lot going on with all the machinations of the carnival rides. And there's spinning cameras there and Mm -hmm. panning cameras. It's incredible. And, you know, we talked about how from the good dinosaur all the way through, you know, the Finding Dory movies to the Incredibles, where they map out the whole world like a video game. Coco, for sure. And then they just explore the setting with the cameras within the computer. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my God! They, they just a, one more quick note on the computer power that they had. They had 117 computers for Toy Story One, literally r- rendering shots around the clock, and some frames took up to 30 hours to render. Now the computers that they made Toy Story Four with could render Toy Story Run One, the entire movie, in less than it would take to watch that movie. <laughs> Wow. That's how powerful that is they are. That's crazy. And that's how technologically innovative and uh, progressed That's just a credit to Pixar overall. Absolutely. So let's get into sound now. Randy Newman, I won't let you throw yeah. your tail away. Here's your Oscar, Mr. Newman. Thank you for coming. It's the fun and games segment. So here again. Early act two. <laughs> let's talk conspir- Oscar's conspiracy for a second. A thing in for a paycheck. <laughs> Toy Story knows they're going. Mono a mano with Frozen 2. And they know Frozen 2 is going to release a banger of an original song. Yeah. Do, so they, is- <laughs> do they let Randy Newman just sing a ridiculous original song here <laughs> to kind of punt that category and let Oscars voters say, well, I can give best original song to Frozen 2 so I can vote Toy Story 4 for animated feature. That's brilliant. <laughs> I wonder if Randy Newman walked out of that meeting room and he's like, 
Wow, they took my first draft on this <laughs> Nailed <one>. it. <laughs> <laughs> they took my first draft. <laughs> Writing a song as I'm singing it. I, I think, I think we about belittle, a sport. We belittle poor Mr. Newman here way I too much. I love Ray He's a Newman. genius. He is yeah, a genius. Is a we genius know that. because he's also scoring the film. Right. And he's a great suspense composer. He did, did that with Toy Story 3. He's doing it again here. Well, he also had to dabble in horror scores here. Right? I mean, really terrifying stuff as well, far as the score goes to well, set the movie. We literally heard the score or whatever it was from The Shining, the, the, yeah. the, the, the old timey song. Mm-hmm. I was so happy. I was like, this is brilliant. This is why yeah. I love Pixar so much because they call back to that. The sound effects was great. And I was a little deaf on both the score and the sound effects. but I, I, I noticed the score. I thought the score was wonderful. It blended and it really worked. So will they get Oscars for any of these categories down the line? They shouldn't get an Oscar for I won't let you throw yourself away. Right? Well, no. <laughs> but we also haven't heard anything that's beating that yet. So... I don't know. Maybe it's a funny ass. Maybe song. Frozen is just Adina Menzel throwing up the audio of her, like Adele. gagging for three minutes. Adele, Kazim, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about performances here. I thought Tony Hale was brilliant. Yep. Kean Peel, as funny as I've ever seen them. I I laughed so freaking hard at this script. You got Tim Allen getting the corny old man jokes in with the Buzz character. Mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves gets some laughs. But Forky, Ducky, and Bunny, they steal the show. They are I want sequels with all of them. They are hilarious. Ducky and Bunny were so obtuse and so not a Toy Story character that I almost wonder... I was surprised to not see Key and Peele's name get writing credits because it just seemed like their cuts, their segments of story they got to tell were so written either by or for Key and Peele. It worked. Maybe that's, you know, the new infusion of the writer's yeah. room that are getting it right there. But, you know, when you watch all the behind-the-scenes stuff, it looks like Keegan-Michael Keefe's just walking in there and saying his lines. Yeah. It's not it's not like that he's doing it all himself. It uh, looks like he's being directed, pretty much. I, I thought it was great. I it thought was they wonderful. were perfect comic Absolutely. relief characters. And that's one thing. Well, not one thing, because there's a billion things Pixar's done and we've yes. learned. But that's one of the main things. They are aces at casting voice actors to fit their characters. Annie Potts was a brilliant casting mm-hmm. in, in previous movies as Bo Peep. She's got such a raspy mm-hmm. voice that it just has the richest tones to it. You, you play that off of Tom Hanks and it really grounds this movie in, in its central story yeah. so well. Uh, I, I'm so happy with it. I, I loved every scene they were in. Special shout out, Mike, to Giggle McDimples, <laughs> the Polly Pocket character voiced by Ali Maki. What a great way to have a best friend character. She's got a ton of agency. I'll be right down. <laughs> she is not a veteran animation voice actress. Uh, she's only done some robot chicken. She's a TV actress. I'm going to be looking out for her. Yeah, for sure. I, she I didn't was mention great. her before on purpose, but I'm going to be looking out for her in upcoming stuff because I, I love the, what she did here. That's a great character. Very high energy voice, too. Perfect oh, for that little uh, little character. Great for that yeah. tiny character. Uh, and, of course, like I said, the family of Don Rickles, they specifically asked Pixar if there was any way... Uh, they can use his actual voice in this film. They were expecting maybe just one scene where they use the clip yeah. of what he'd recorded, but they used what he'd recorded for the whole movie. So they managed that. I thought that was a nice touch. It's a little sad that they couldn't make him a bigger character in this, but again, it's understandable. A I, it's it's the same way. I don't expect Princess Leia to have a huge role in the upcoming I Star agree. Wars finale. And honor the character, but don't go overboard. So some non-spoiler script thoughts here. I thought. This movie went for some legitimate horror movie goods. Some jump you scares. think? There's two honestly cards on the table. Your mother came with us, yeah, just to see this show, yeah, and she jumped out of her seat <laughs> at least once, and I almost did a second time. There's two legitimate, terrifying jump scares to the point where we walked out of the theater, and you said to me, "This can't be a G-rated movie." I was it surprised. It has to at least be PG. I was surprised. If Child's Play is half as creepy and scary. <laughs> I'm going to like Child's Play. I mean, that's getting a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes right now, so I'm feeling a little better about that now that we're recording this and, you know, maybe seeing another... We're recording this earlier, so maybe we could see another movie this weekend. I might actually see it, but I... If, this, if it's half as scary as this movie, this I'm, was I'm creepy. in. And, you know, it's smart, too, because Toy Story, the, the franchise has touched on so many genres already. Right. I mean, Toy Story 3 was a straight-up 
thriller drama. Yeah. Right? And the one thing they really haven't, and no Pixar film has really touched on, has been horror. Because how can you? And have it be a kid's movie. How can you? And there we go. Of course they can. They can do anything. And they did. Uh, Now, maybe I'm an idiot, but I did not think this was going to be as emotional as it was. And I'm stupid because even Toy Story 2 was at the time. Let me elaborate on that point. Because I think what you mean to say, if I could speak for you without your permission, (laughs) is how could you feel... Anything close to what we already went through in Toy Story 3. Right. Right? That was so emotionally draining, that we movie. We were a bit cynical going right. into this one, figuring it's more of a money grab. Toy Story 4, the money. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Makes sense, right? It's the it's made billionaires. Right. But no, they really, you know, I'm going to talk a lot more about it in the, in the screenwriting stuff coming up. They really found an imperative, a reason to make this movie. It's more focused, a story, focused on Woody and Bo Peep, and I really like that. All that being said, my mom was not happy with that ending, and I think she's come around to it a little bit more. She was not happy. Beware, folks. She was not happy, and we'll discuss why. I think that's been something that people have warned people about yeah uh, in non-spoiler section so i feel okay doing that here but fyi a little something now let's finish up the oscar lens mike i believe this script has a high enough degree of difficulty to get it nominated for best original screenplay uh a hundred percent yes i thought it was magnificent to have this much comedy action movie horror movie goods wrapped around the central narrative here to make it as harrowing as it was, to fit all the the tropes of the original movies, to fit the genre like I'm going to talk about. I'm voting yes all day. This should be Best Screenplay nomination. Yeah, as of right now, I certainly agree. We just haven't had that many Oscar contenders come out in the year of 2019. Mm -hmm. I I will be very surprised if this doesn't make a Best Picture cut. And Owen Lieberman, who's Variety's head critic there, uh, he is advocating just the same. I was watching a video of him and their review on this on YouTube before we hit record here. I feel the same, and I'm even more surprised by the relatively tepid response it's gotten on film Twitter. It's weird. It's almost like people just expect it to be great, and automatically it's got to be great. And if it's not, maybe if it's not as otherworldly great as the last movie, then it doesn't... This is better than almost... It's probably better than all the Best Picture nominations last year. Probably, I, 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 that, I mean that's I an interesting. Exactly. That's an interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting argument to have that we can dive into. It's but that's, a grade that is point yeah. several points higher for me than all the best picture nominations. It's just year. it's such a good movie, and it gives you so many goods, and it does stuff that it's almost it's almost tough to compare it to other Toy Story movies because it's so different. So animated feature for sure. We're voting original screenplay. We're voting picture. Yeah, I'd argue for those quite a bit i yeah. think it's gonna break through or score or one of the sound categories it'll be there for original song i think you just think it'll still respect so yeah. it's gonna break through one of those so my guess is four nominations over under four or three would you would you say three and a half I'm, it would be a good over under here yeah i'll go over gun to my head i really think picture animated, I'm, uh, animated features a given you're going to have a tough time, whether this is original screenplay or adapted screenplay, I don't know, but you're going to have a tough time finding four other ones that are on par with this, I think, throughout the rest of the year. What's that fourth one, you think? Sound editing. Song. Sound editing came for uh, Toy Story 3, and I think there was song in there, too, but I don't th- I don't think this song is good. I know. You, I, I don't think it's good. <laughs> I think it's Randy Newman. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's a respect and a longevity thing that's going to tie into play. Nomination Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I think three and a half is a really good number. I would go over, but that's 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 a that's a nice pick. All right, ready to dance, Mike? Yeah, let's do it. Spoilers ahead. This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers! Mike, Mike, and Oscar! Oscar Sprint! Spoilers! 
This is the spoiler section for Toy Story 4, both the Oscar Sprint profile of 2019 and the entry into the Pixar rewatch series, both brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Uh, if you've not seen the movie yet, since it just came out today, that's all right. This is a good place for you to hit pause. Go watch the movie. We'll be here waiting for you to, when you come back. If you've seen the movie already, if you're just curious to hear our thoughts, or if we've hyped up the non-spoiler section, uh, or we hyped up the spoiler section, I should say, in the non-spoiler section so much that you can't go another minute without hearing what happens, this is where you want to be. It's all spoilers all the time. Mike, Mike, and Oscar, the Oscar Sprint Profile, and the Pixar Rewatch Series entry for Toy Story 4, the 2019 film, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. And the way we start the spoiler section for the Pixar Rewatch Series is that we go through the 22 rules of screenwriting success that Pixar has delivered a couple years ago. We have two rules left, Michael. What are they, and how do they apply here? All right, so rule number 21, I'm going to talk about this in a macro sense, and I'll be more micro with 22. Uh, but here it is. You've got to identify with your situation slash characters. You can't just write cool. What would make you act that way? So this is another way of saying earn everything. Earn every beat. Earn yeah. every change for your characters all the way to your character arcs. Pixar animators, Mike, and this is something that we have not talked about yet. I think it's kind of an obvious thing, but I think it's so true. Pixar animators have the luxury of slowing this world and this story down to edit every detail, to control every detail, to second guess and double check every single look, gesture, movement, reaction, moment. Every single moment of this story has been scrutinized by a team of hundreds of people in some cases, certainly by the director. This is a luxury that they take full advantage of throughout these, you know, several year long production schedules. Yeah, for sure. This doesn't happen on live action movies. You, you, you try to make it happen, but you can't go back and edit everything like this. You know, you're preparing your cast with rehearsals. You're trying to immerse everyone in the production design and the sets. You're hoping to ground the story into enough of a reality that your actors can both live in it and play with that. And then you're hoping for those movie magic moments where essentially Essentially, something the writers, directors, or producers didn't think of beforehand is thought of by someone else at the time spontaneously, and then something great develops out of it that, of course, in the making of the movie, everybody's like, we didn't even think of that, look at this magic, movie magic. <laughs> but how much movie magic happens on a Pixar campus every day? Yeah, must be tons. They're thinking of this constantly. They're in the you know mirrors, animating all these characters with their own gestures and saying, wait a minute. People would react this way. They're going on field trips and they're filming all these things really happening. The Dancing with the Stars people came and danced mm -hmm. the, the Toy Story 3 dance, right? <laughs> and they watched that and they figured out all the little nuances of it. So I just think they do have an advantage here, but they take full advantage of it. And I, I love that. Yeah, it just goes back to what we highlighted, I think, on our last Pixar episode about how the gestation period is certainly an advantage when you're dealing with an animated film. And right. you're right. They, it's not like they're sitting on their thumbs for seven years while these things are in production. They're constantly working, constantly tinkering. And whether it's the technology or the animation, they're working to perfect what they have on screen. And does it make sense? Does this reaction yeah. make sense? They, they can't just write cool. The facade is immediately broken down right. by how many edits, by the fact that they can control every little movement, every frame. So that, that, is, that, that is an advantage. Let's, sure. Let's say that. Certainly. Rule number 22 states, Mike, what's the essence of your story? Most economical telling of it, question mark. If you know that, you can build out from there. So this is often, you know, discussed and give us your premise. What's a movie about? Mm -hmm. You know, what's the premise of the story? This is also something we talk about on the next episode of Kill Bill 1. Once you've nailed down the essence of what your story is about, you can play with it and just have fun. And that's what Tarantino is able to do with that movie. Toy Story films, they know, are road trip buddy action comedies. That's mm -hmm. the genre. There's always a rescue and a following up uh, escape set piece or two set pieces in there. We know that. Toy Story 4, however also is a romance and it's a romance between woody and bo peep so mike like i said we guarded ourselves cynically that this would be a money grab sequel that they wouldn't have an imperative to make this movie and to tell this story and to give us a reason for why they had to tell this one an essence of this next chapter and they found it mike i thought in a big way and this is a testament to their story writing process to their machine where they had Rashida Jones in there yeah. saying we should have a Toy Story is the perfect 
you know, vehicle for a, a Pixar romance movie. Yeah. We have all this built-in credit for these characters, this built-in love this for these characters. backstory and exposition, yeah. We need this. We've established this already. And for them to make Bo Peep on equal footing to Woody and her heroism. She's the alpha in this movie. I love that so much. Yeah. And they, they set her up on the on that same level to, and hired so that she can teach him mm-hmm. so much. So she's his mentor character and and his his love interest in this and which is something we've railed about how Bo Peep was kind of a damsel in distress for the two movies that we saw her in, in Sidelined her in Toy yeah. Story 2 stayed behind when the others went on the adventure this is a character that's a porcelain doll that sits on a lamp right <laughs> right and now she's the leader and not only the leader but she's the one with the plan and if you don't listen to her plan you get in trouble and she has to correct the trouble and her <laughs> arm falls off like a zombie it's still animate but her arm falls off how many times and that's a great gag yeah. it made us laugh pretty hard and then boom she just tapes her arm back on and back to the you know what saving everybody what a badass she is I, yeah. I loved it and I was worried that they were going to take this Bo Peep character and turn her into an action hero I was like oh that's a little much they pulled it off in yeah, space, and they did it right from the first scene of the movie where she's could have been the, the secret weapon of the first two movies, right. at least, if they used it properly. But it's definitely, you know, a tip of the hat to the fact that, all right, Toy Story people, we're idiots for not doing this earlier. And yeah. at least do it in a big way. Again, it's one of those finger of shame and yet good job that you finally got there. Great job. You hired three women in the writer's room. You're giving them credit. They were involved in the process. They, you have a great feministic hero character here. Awesome job. Why the hell did it take you 25 years? You know, shame on you for taking this long to get here. Yeah. So now we're going to get into heartbreaks and happiness. This is a way to discuss all our best scenes. We'll have some extra best scenes as well because there's a lot of comedy here. Mm-hmm. But... Even the heartbreaks are best scenes. We've done this throughout the Toy Story rewatch. The the opening for production values, I was just my jaw was dropped. Uh, but I also Same. loved how harrowing that was. They're saving the car from look at that water that yeah. was taking it down into the drain. RC is why was he even out there? Did we ever get an explanation for that? He was left. He was left out there by Andy because Andy brought in all of his oh, toys when okay. it started raining. I, didn't get that. I guess. My God, yeah, that was so that RC's was a, like fighting the gutter, and there's just a downpour of rain that's coming down. A great rescue, and then it distracts you from the end of that scene where Bo Peep is lost to him forever. He thinks gone. Yeah, the, the, the background of that scene is that there's somebody coming to the house to pick up Bo Peep because Andy's little sister doesn't want the lamp anymore. So that's why Bo Peep wasn't in Toy Story three. I got a hot take here. Yeah. Andy's sister, Emily. What a jerk. Why? This whole series, she's a jerk. She grew out of it. <laughs> but she has, she's been a jerk this whole series. But like through the toys. Why? Wait, I don't understand this. The last this. movie, she's just looking at her magazines. <laughs> I'm mad at her. She's, isn't she a typical yeah, uh, child in this day and age now? Of course Nobody plays is. with toys anymore. I it's all be, electronic. I could be unrealistically bad. <laughs> all right. Uh, I can't believe they made this villain, Gabby Gabby. So is she a villain? No. Well, Andrew Stanton said it on the TED Talk. I finally watched the full TED Talk with him talking about story. And he had a list of five tenants when when Pixar decided to make stories their own, right? Separate from Disney Animated Studios. One was no magical village, no happy village, no happy village song, no I want song, no songs. And the other one... (laughs) Yet they keep winning best original songs? Right. The other one, well, no like songs, like musical-wise songs. There was another one there, like no villains. And this doesn't make sense when you think of characters. Characters like, you know, lots of hugging bear. When you think of characters sure. like the grasshopper, Hopper from A Bug's Life, that's a villain. But I get, I mean, these are villains that are well-rounded because they've been through tragedy. And that's the thing. Right. You give them scenes where you show their capability. They've been they've been traumatized. They've been turned into villains. And this is definitely one of those characters. We have heartbreaks associated throughout this movie with Gabby Gabby's I don't th- Yeah, I don't think she's an antagonist at all. And it's, I mean, right away, Forky takes a liking well, to her. This is the highest degree of difficulty that they accomplish in this script because she is set up as that villain and then she is... So so thoroughly redeemed that the end movement of the film is to get her right. to a child. Yeah. And she saves a child from being lost. The most pitiful thing in the world. That child is lost, cowering in the shadows, and she helps that child find somebody. And yeah. Gives the child the courage. And that was incredible. But when even she- when she's after Woody's voice box, which is the whole 
the crux, the whole issue. Right. She wants Woody's voice box because hers doesn't work anymore, and she's convinced that's why a child doesn't love her because her voice box is broken. So she needs a voice box. She wants Woody's voice box. We're right away talked out of her being this evil nefarious. True. Like, Forky takes a liking to her. They're swapping stories back and forth. And yes, there's still that sinister undertone because she has these giant goosebump dummies working as her security. It would have been an unearned payoff if... Woody didn't sacrifice it willingly right. at some point. And yeah, she kind of held him hostage a little bit, but then uh, they totally could have went, you know, the way they've gone with other characters too, other villainous characters where she could have had a final turn heel, mm-hmm. but they didn't go with that no. either. She had a final turn to, to good. And I, I, I thought that was really well done and well earned. And I was surprised that they pulled that off. I thought for sure we were going to get like Toy Story three, what happened there. Yeah. When she's rejected by that girl later in the movie, too, that was a heartbreak. I, I thought they did it. everything with Gabby Gabby was awesome. Great. Really well done. So right from the start with Woody, we have him and Bo Peep, of course. That that was a just a sad scene when he's saying goodbye and he's considering going, going in the with box her, with yeah. her. And then realizing everything that he's gone through in the last three movies to get back to Andy, even when Andy hasn't wanted him. Mm-hmm. To give him that dilemma right from the beginning, well, it gives Woody, I, that's Woody's purpose too, and that kind of is the backdrop for this movie. He needs to have purpose, and when he finally gets to Bonnie, Bonnie kind of tosses his purpose aside. So he's demoted yep. into the closet, just getting his sheriff badge taken off and put on Jesse, not getting played with, and yet he's still super heroic to to hide himself in the backpack and help Bonnie through her first day at school. Yeah, I thought that was terrific. It was awesome, uh, and allowing her to make Forky. Then you had all the fun stuff with Forky we're going to get to, but Woody convincing Forky that he's like trash for Bonnie. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, but it was She's also meaningful. my trash. And they could have went, you know, Toy Story 1 Woody, which was a little bit abrasive where he just was freaking out the whole time. He started doing that. He started throwing a fit, but then he's like the old wise character. He's like, yeah. And then he, he just calmed down and he, and he explained to the fork why the fork is important. So I thought that was great. <laughs> of course, he sacrifices his voice box. That's a big deal. Yeah. Of course. Willingly. Gabby Gabby saves that that little kid. That's a big deal. And one more, of course, when Woody recognized Bo's lamp at the antique store, oh my God. Has to go in to see her. Has to see if she's okay and healthy. And Remarkable how emotional they made this movie throughout, not just the ending, which is obviously the most emotional stuff we had. Which... Without the stakes that are worse than death, really. We've seen the stakes worse than death. They were in a fire pit in an incinerator. They were about to be melted together in Toy Story 3. Uh, uh, The cruelest torture. And here, the antagonist is like morality and a sense of personal duty, which is bizarre that you get this emotionally invested when that's the back. What's, What's the outcome for Woody? What's the worst thing that happens to him if he... Staying in the closet? I think it's a psychological horror of it all. Yeah. I, like when you talk about Toy Story 3, I know we're spoiling it a little bit here. When you talk about the, the, the part that's worse than death is to just die alone, scattered in garbage. But they solved that dilemma in that final scene by grasping each other's hands. That's why it's not worse than death. So they'll, they're willing to die, but they're doing it together. And once they realize that, they're able to be saved, literally. Mm. In this movie, the fate worse than death is, is really a dilemma where Woody has to choose between leaving the, the, those friends who he's been through so much with or embarking on a new journey, being a lost toy with Bo Peep, who yeah, he has this love story Following his heart with. or following his sense of, I guess, Purpose, duty. his, his yeah. job, you know, I mean... What's more important, career or, or in a way, family? You know, right. you put that dilemma on people. It's the lesser, or it's it's the irreconcilable goods dilemma. It's not a lesser of two evils. It's not a. It's definitely not a fate worse. Well, I mean, the fate that's worse than death is the one he chooses. It's worse. It would have been it would have been better for him to die. Well, it's irreconcilable goods. I'll go back to it. It's a. <laughs> it's but he would have died for his friendship with all those characters yeah. before. And he risked that throughout this movie and in other movies. And the heartbreak is the biggest heartbreak is probably the last scene when he makes that choice. When he hugs Buzz yeah. at that last scene, I was uh, everything I could to hold together. And it was so perfectly written too. So you have all the original toys from Toy Story 1 hugging him at once. Then they yep. separate. Then it's the moment for him and Buzz to hug as he's saying his goodbye. Because that's by the way, this is what your mother had a problem with. The big ending of this movie is Woody <laughs> yeah. leaves Bonnie, leaves the toys behind yeah. to go join Bo Peep 
Ducky and Bunny, Duke Kaboom, and a couple other carnival toys yeah, to no. be a lost toy. Mom, Toy Story 5, they're, they're going back <laughs> to the carnival. It's their every year vacation spot. Don't worry. <laughs> but that I mean, that's a... It's certainly a, a tough watch. It's tough. 20 years, 25 years, you see Woody and Buzz hugging goodbye. How could you possibly get a more emotional ending than what you had in Toy Story 3? Well, here you go. Here you go. It's a Here's separating of the family, the yeah. Here's why we made the movie, the imperative. Uh, and it, but you get some silver linings. The epilogue with Woody and Bo and Ducky and Bunny, you know, saving carnival toys, helping them get to new owners. That was terrific. That was oh, yeah. fun. So the epilogue, you know, takes a little bit of the sting out, but I think she was too upset. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about the happiness, though, because, yes, the fun and games montage is one of the best. Forky (laughs) trying to go into the trash. Repeatedly, because he's made of trash, so his only understanding is that he has to get back in the garbage can. So he's, uh, Bonnie makes him at preschool, uh, first day of kindergarten, takes him home and wants to cuddle with him, but throughout the night while Bonnie's sleeping, Forky is just insisting on finding his way into the trash can because that's where he belongs. That's where he and belongs. yet Woody has to keep throwing him out of the trash can onto Bonnie's bed. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, the, the, I guess you had to do it this way. You had to embrace the fact that all Forky wants to do is become trash. Because if you didn't, and his life was just a living hell of becoming trash. And we all saw what happened with trash in the last movie. Oh, my God. But, no, he want, he literally, you know, is you know, working out of Woody's grasp to fall into the trash the night before. And Woody has to kick the garbage can over just to make sure that he gets picked up in and the And then his scene in the epilogue, when Bonnie brings home another Forky-type uh, female Forky, and she's like, why are we alive? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to explain everything to you. Why are we alive? I... <laughs> so that's perfect. I love the fact that the, all the playground toys are so happy to get played with. Yeah. We, we know what that means to a toy yeah. after that last movie, and you get new kids there every day, and that was just spectacular. The, talk about cinematography. The low-angle shots of the big flying toys yeah. in the air from the sandbox. Oh, my God. Just incredible. Uh, look, when we meet Adventurer Bo Peep. Bo Peep's the best part of this movie. It, it is so much fun. And I was worried about this. I yeah. was worried that they're going to do like an action hero thing with Bo Peep, but I'm so glad they did this because they, you need to with Woody's character. You can't she's have... like Sigourney Weaver in yeah. Aliens. Aliens like she's she's just, she's Ripley. She's, she's made it on, on her own. Yeah, she's the bride. She's made it out on her own. She's a totally badass, independent person. She doesn't need the help of anybody. She's the leader of her own tribe now with her Billy Goats and Gruff, the three-headed lambs or, or sheep that she has. Nobody remembers those lambs' <laughs> names, especially Woody and that they're girl. That's pretty funny. And, and the little, the pocket, Polly Pocket oh, uh, sidekick. Yeah, she's, she's become what Woody was in Toy Story 1 to her own family. Uh, we, we have the Duke Kaboom stuff, which is pretty hilarious. So Pixar's behind this Keanu renaissance, right? It just is so perfectly timed that this character comes out right in the middle of Keanu being in everything and the internet going gaga for the him. The Keanu-sance is just <laughs> out of control. Like, this is peak Ke- Keanu Reeves right now. You can't tell me there aren't some people out there. Maybe they're ridiculous teenagers. I don't know. But somebody bought a ticket to this movie just for Keanu's Duke Kaboom. Because they knew Keanu was in it. And he was hilarious. Oh, he was great. And great. the fat his flashbacks to the Canadian cat. Forget the kid's name. <laughs> what the hell was his name? I could. I looked all over the internet. It's not on the internet this morning. I looked all over. I couldn't find oh, it. So it's such a French name. too. It's so funny. Uh, those those flashbacks are so funny. The kid throws them away in a day <laughs> I, on Christmas that morning because he doesn't. And the reason is so funny. The kid wanted to kaboom because he sees the commercial. This is who hasn't lived this. Yes. The kid wanted to kaboom that this action character, which is one of those wind up bike riding toys stunt toys because he sees the commercial it's jumping through hoops it's doing all these magical things so the kid sets up a jump has duke kaboom christmas morning boxing day morning because it's canada on french canadian yeah. he winds duke kaboom up and duke kaboom just falls over the jump and doesn't do anything so the kid leaves him behind forever and you get this meta narrative <laughs> with duke kaboom like who lives up to the marketing anyway it's a commercial it can't be real life oh it's so good uh I, I love the side plot with Buzz, too, searching for Woody and the gang, delaying the, all the stuff with the gang. The inner delaying, voice. The inner voice stuff was a little, they're pushing my limits on the comedy of that. Thank God for Ducky and Bunny. But <laughs> the fact that the inner voice stuff played on me originally, I'm in. 
But all of the delaying of the family and that RV, that was so funny. We're laughing hysterically. The the crazy Jeff Garland unicorn. Jeff Garland doesn't have arrested. Doesn't have enough lines in Toy Story Three and totally makes up for it here. Makes Maybe the funniest character of the movie. Killed me. Them sabotaging this father. Now I'm glad we actually sabotage instead of overtaking the car. Right. They sabotage the father and they forced them to drive back to the carnival. That is good. That Except we kept up our streak of these toys being able to drive motor vehicles because the electronic stunk that Bo Peep rides around in is driven by the freaking sheep. True. How are you so bad at driving? You have six eyes. Six eyes. That's a great line. Look, the Bucky and Dunny. Bucky and Dunny. Yeah. The Ducky and Bunny of Dane Bramage. They were so funny. I laughed so hard. And that long take joke where there's the three parts. Hardest I've laughed since Deadpool 2. Killed me. Hardest I've laughed in a movie theater since Deadpool 2. I don't want to. I, I want us yeah. to laugh again, so I don't want to yeah. re- go over it again. But just as good as. And it you gets. knew it was coming. Like you knew, knew where this was going. You knew it. <laughs> and it, it somehow worked on us. That's just incredible. Finally, I thought every action sequence was just excellent, and they made it believable. Yeah, you got some coincidences, especially with Buzz. But it's, it's really scary after the early muscle flex scenes by Gabby Gabby and those terrifying mods. Well, that's the that's guys. another huge highlight. Is not only it was a horror movie, they got the horror score in there. You actually have horror stakes. You have terrifying what you think are bad guys. But you have the homages. We talked about the Shining jingle being in there. Yeah. Your mother pointed out, oh, it's a little shop of horror homage. You could see the Goosebumps homage. These... These characters are from Night of the Living Dummy. I mean, that's what these dummies are, these right. bodyguards from the Goosebump mo- uh, books and movies. So it, it's just great to see Pixar going horror and having it be okay for kids. But, man, those those dummies, there's two jump scares with those dummies that are just terrifying. Excellent, excellent work. Final best for me is I love that the antique store had such a great underground party scene. <laughs> yeah, the tin toy. It reminded me of uh, Sorry to Bother You. Yeah. The back room in the bar. That uh, shit was wild. <laughs> that was great. Why would both people leave? But you can go back, I guess, and just hang out at the bar scene. That was incredible. Uh, I don't have any worse scenes. I just wanted to ask you, Mike, did you like the ending? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, the like whole it. movie was about Woody's purpose and his consciousness and his what he wants out of life and yeah. what do you do when you're an aging toy and you you know we've, we've been taught throughout the whole trilogy leading up to this that a toy's purpose is to make a kid happy well what do you do when you can't fulfill that purpose so of course he's going to become a lost toy at the end because right it's in the exactly first scene, it was fitting and, we, and our, i was talking to my mom too last night and she's like of course i knew it was coming just like you knew it was coming just like i did in that first sequence you know like and they, i'm I, I like the fact that they tipped it off and completely foreshadowed because you they got to get you ready got to get kids ready for that scene as well mm-hmm. in the whole movie because that's the pull for woody they're basically saying all right we're going to convince you that this is where he has to go he has his officer and a gentleman scene too he's like, i got nowhere else to go scene yeah. he's got, like i got no other purpose it's all i can do it's all i can think about right now and he has to find forky he has to keep going back to, to fulfill bonnie's needs because he doesn't know what else to do with himself otherwise totally totally left forky how many yeah. Yeah. How many times? Uh, and that's why I appreciate it, too, because otherwise that'd be a plot hole for me, and that'd be an issue. Just, like, leave the stupid thing behind. Yeah. But it's not Bonnie's wishes. It's yeah. Woody fulfilling his own sense of purpose above everything else. I do remember, though, having some coincidences that bothered me for the life of me the next day. I can't remember what they are. I remember the Buzz stuff, but it, the Buzz laughs it away. So there's a big chase scene with Buzz, and something happens where he follow, he's following the inner voice and he winds up at the antique store or winds up seeing... That, that was one of the big ones, yeah. how they all congregate in Act 2. They just yeah. happen to be at the antique store at the same time. That's a little bit of a stretch, but... It is. Whatever. Look, I don't think this is going to win Best Picture, but I think it has to be nominated. It's a really, really good movie. It's a strong movie. Even though Toy Story 3 probably should have won, could have right. won. Right, Well, no, it's a show social network. It should have beaten the King's Speech. It should have beaten the King's Speech. <laughs> so I have a final grade here. That's, uh, We're right on par, by the way, with the grading. We have the three-point curve. Me. Yeah, go ahead. I have an A93. Yeah, and I'm an I'm a 90A minus, which is very high for me. I don't Super get in the A high. territory. But, yeah, you don't get in the A, the straight A territory, and I don't get in the 90s that often. So that is – look, I think it outdoes any expectations you could have. Now, are you going to go into this and then maybe get – say we hyped it up too much yeah that's possible because that's always possible when anyone you talk to is a very high on a movie yeah you you want your own sense of fulfillment out of it so take this for what it's worth we both are very high in this movie and not everyone is 
Not everyone is. There's a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of people, a lot of review sites that think it's the weakest of the four movies, which I personally can't see, but that's their opinion. I disagree thoroughly. Yeah, same well. here. But the, hey, that's a good way to wrap it up. Yeah, we obviously thing. want to know your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about this, about anything we did in the Pixar Rewatch series, about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. Uh, we obviously want to hear from you. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. That's being in TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc., etc. Just type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar where you get your podcast you'll see our smiling cartoon faces uh waving back at you like we said we have all these are designated by playlist on the soundcloud website uh, soundcloud.com backslash mike mike and oscar you can see we have different logos for each playlist that we do so for the pixar rewatch series we have mike and i dressed like woody and buzz for the tarantino rewatch series we're dressed as john travolta and uma thurman from mm-hmm. Pulp fiction we have these all designated we have the halloween rewatch series we have a lot of franchise rewatches that we do during MCU. the oscars off season the mcu as well they're all divided by playlists for your convenience there so whether you're going to see Toy Story 4 whether you need a couple of refreshers leading up to it we have your back covered Uh, and if you do appreciate what we do here we love putting out content for you if you have a couple free seconds if you can give us a five star review on iTunes those truly go a long way in helping us out Yes, Michael some words of wisdom and let's talk about what's coming next from us well the wisdom I believe is that you must have that governing imperative uh, to tell your story and why you're telling the story, the essence of it all, the rule number 22. I mean, this is Pixar's wisdom. It's not mine. I mean, we wanted this movie for sure. Like, who wouldn't want a Toy Story 4? But they convinced us why we needed this sequel uh, by the end of the movie. It's a totally different story. It's one they hadn't told yet. I couldn't believe. And when you're facing execution, how (laughs) much more drama can you get out of that? And they do. A totally different type of drama. They make it work. What do we got coming up next? We're going to continue our Tarantino rewatch series. This is going to be Kill Bill Central for the next week and a half. We'll have Kill Bill Volume 1 coming out later this weekend. Kill Bill Volume 2 next week. That's all building towards Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We'll cover all his canonical films there. Eight new segments that we haven't done in an Oscar Sprint profile or in a Pixar rewatch series that we've worked in to this Tarantino rewatch. So like we always do, we try to make each rewatch special. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's an off-season thing that we just love to do because we had a lull, a couple different lulls in the current movie-watching year. We knew we had this Mm -hmm. coming up. Toy Story 4 is actually going to kick off another you know hotbed period where we're going to get a ton of new movies that we want to review that we're excited about that we think could play uh, a role in award season so we got a lot of those coming up for you from the farewell the aquafina film to annabelle creation which we think is might be a movie event event because we cover a lot of horror movies yeah all the way to uh spider-man far from home yeah tacking on to the marvel stuff we've we've christ we got a lot of stuff to do (laughs) a lot of stuff going on and and, and there's bona fide oscar contenders that start coming out july august that's what we're here for we do horse race talk that's our specialty we love talking oscars we love having you guys tag along so hopefully shining the light on some stuff you may not watch otherwise hopefully just giving you a new perspective if you do watch it We've been spoiled, though, lately. The Kill Bills are awesome. Toy Story 3 and 4 is For awesome. Sure. I mean, we've been just spoiled with great movies. Not good movies, great movies. So feel very fortunate. Hopefully, if you've been watching movies with us, you know, you feel as lucky as we do. Yeah, that's what our tagline uh, pretty much says, right? When reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us, guys. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Uh, we appreciate you listening, and we will check you out soon. See you.